And we're in the middle of discussing the statement of Rav. Rav had a statement and he distinguished between a case where there's one witness who says that the husband died versus two witnesses who say that the husband died. When one witness says that the husband died, so then if the husband were to come back and people don't recognize him, but we have two witnesses who say that they know that this is the husband, they were with him the whole time. Uh, so then... Rav says, Tetze, that uh, presumably this means that uh, she has to leave her second husband. However, if there were originally two witnesses who said that the husband died, and now there are two new witnesses who say the husband's now around, so it's two versus two. And as we discussed in the last recording, uh, Rav says, Lo Tetze, she's allowed to stay with her second husband, assuming that both of them know with certainty that the husband is not alive. They really believe and know that the husband is not alive because she marries one of the witnesses and she herself knows. And that's what the Gemara said, and that's the understanding of Rav at this point in the Gemara. We will see that uh, others, Rav Ashi, will have a different understanding of Rav, but as of now, that is the understanding of Rav. So the Gemara asks the following question. Mesiv Rava. Rava asks, We have the following Bresa. There is a halacha, there's a law, that when it comes to Kohanim, and this is specific to Kohanim, uh, that uh, they have vikidashto, that uh, the court has an obligation to raise their levels of kedusha, of holiness. And as such, the verse is telling us, based on how we extrapolate uh, the law from the, from, the, from the verse, that there are certain scenarios where we will force the Kohen to get divorced. The Gemara says, what exactly is that case? Where will we force the Kohen to get divorced? Hey, what's the case? If it's a normal case where we would say in general, forget about a Kohen, just anybody would have to get divorced, we would have to tell them to leave. So then, if they're not allowed to stay married, if it's, there's a prohibition to have marital relations, so then we would obviously tell them get, to get divorced regardless of whether or not they're a Kohen. So even if, let's say, in our case, where we have two versus two, and she marries somebody who's not one of the witnesses, uh, so then in that case, certainly we don't even need a verse for that. There's nothing unique for the Kohanim with regards to that. We would say uh, that she uh, that she has to uh, she has to get divorced. So what's the case? El Alav. So isn't the case as follows? Denisis lecha the case is where, uh, and this is what the verse is teaching us, you have two verses two, two witnesses say that the husband died, two witnesses say that the husband's alive, she marries one of the witnesses, she knows with certainty that her husband died, so then if it wasn't the case of a Kohen, we would say, stay married, you're allowed to stay married, because uh, you could, since you know yourself, you you assume that, uh, and really, in, in your world view, your husband's not alive, and because it's two witnesses versus two witnesses, so then we let you go ahead and get married and stay married. Um, but uh, that would, might, maybe that's only limited to non-Kohanim. Kohanim have a higher standard. Kohanim have a higher level. Um, and mafkinan, sorry, ama mafkinan lamine. So we see from here that they, they would have to get divorced. This is really part of the question. So this seems to be going against Rav. Rav said that they don't have to get divorced. Now, they do have to get divorced. So the first answer to the Gemara is, Isra Kuhuna Shiny. Now, when it comes to Kohanim, this is what I was saying before, 
The first answer, well, the Gemara will have three answers to explain what does it mean in Shto, that the Kohanim have a higher standard. The first answer is that uh, maybe when it comes to anybody else who's not a Kohen, she could stay married. She could stay married uh, as long as she's married to one of the witnesses and they know with certainty because it's a case of trey or trey. It's a case of where you have two versus two and they're really stuck. It's a suffix. It's, uh, it's unclear exactly what the, what the story is. So if they really believe that the husband died, so then they could stay married. But maybe that doesn't apply to a Kohen. Why doesn't that apply to a Kohen? Uh, perhaps the explanation is, and this is how one of the commentators explains it, is that really uh, it's not just between the two of them. We, in general, we let them stay married because between the two of them, they know with certainty that the husband is not alive. When it comes to Kohanim and the, and the marriage of Kohanim, so then that's under really the jurisdiction of the Beisden, of the court. And so the court has to know with certainty that the husband died. The court doesn't know with certainty. It's a case of where you have two versus two. Two witnesses say that the husband died. Two witnesses say the husband didn't die. And since the court doesn't know, so therefore we say they would have to get divorced, at least with regards to Kohanim. With regards to Kohanim and the prohibition that, that uh, exists with Kohanim, the reason why this is a unique law that applies to Kohanim uh, is because Forget about uh, adultery. Adultery applies, that's something something which is unique to Kohanim. But over here, let's say the witnesses said that the husband was alive and he died recently. But in the end of the day, the wife, assuming that the husband was alive at some point in time, the wife committed adultery. And so therefore she has the status of a Zona. And now a Zona can't marry a Kohen. So even if the husband did die at some point, she still can't marry a Kohen moving forward uh, because she's viewed as a Zona. Because at some point in time she committed adultery assuming that the husband was really alive. Okay, so that's all answer number one. Answer number one is basically saying that if she, if you're a Kohen, so then uh, she cannot stay married to her, um, to, to the other witness, and she would have to get uh, divorced and separate. Answer number two, what, what does this mean? What does it mean, that the court has to make sure that the Kohen... Um, that the, that the coin has higher standards, it means that after you have two witnesses, very interesting, after you have two witnesses who say that the husband died, it is up to the court to make sure to go after and to find two witnesses who really could contradict the first witnesses, that uh, they have to really make sure. It's really because it's a case of uh, a Cohen um, and that uh, she, she'll be uh, prohibited to marry a Cohen potentially, if the husband's still alive and it, it leads to uh, adultery. Uh, so they ha- they have to go out of their way. In general, we tell them it's not their responsibility, but now it is their responsibility to make sure that there are witnesses that say that he's alive, to make sure that she doesn't get married. Uh, but everybody agrees, according to this explanation, that once she does get married, so then she's allowed to stay married, according to the second explanation. So a- explanation number two is essentially saying that the higher standard is that the court has to make sure before she gets married that the husband's really not alive, because if there are witnesses that say that the husband's alive, they have to find those witnesses. That's all answer number two. Now, answer number three, that you know what? When the verse says, this applies across the board, even to Yisrael. It's not something which is just to the Kohanim. It's even to Yisrael. But the case where they have to get divorced is a case where it's not a contradiction with Rav because this is a case where we have the witnesses who say that the husband's alive. They come before she goes ahead and gets married. And so according to Reb Nachum we pointed out that this was a dispute, but according to Reb Nachum if she gets married after both witnesses, both sets of witnesses appeared in court, so the first pair says the husband died, the second pair says, no, the husband's alive, and then she goes ahead and gets married, 
Well, that's when the verse is telling us, well, no, she has to get divorced in that case because she got married after the second pair says that the husband's alive. So we never told her she's allowed to get married. She went out of her way and she got married, even though we told her she's not allowed to get married. So then she has to get divorced. Again, there's an opinion out there that says that, no, she doesn't have to get divorced because we let her stay married. But this is following the position of Menachem Rabiosi to say that she does, in fact, have to get divorced. So these are all three different explanations of as to what does Vikidashto mean. Does the Vikidashto mean that uh, we make her get divorced because now that it's under the jurisdiction of the court, the court doesn't know with certainty that the husband is alive. So even if she marries one of the witnesses, she still has to get divorced. Answer number two is that the court has a responsibility to really make sure that the husband is not alive, even if there are two witnesses that say that he's not alive. They have to look further. to Maybe there are witnesses that say that he's alive, and that's the responsibility of the court. Answer number three is that we are dealing with a case where she gets married after the two witnesses come and say that the husband is alive. She wasn't supposed to get married, so then we say she has to get divorced, like Rabbi Nachman Okay, all of that is explaining uh, the opinion of Rav, based on how we understood Rav. Now comes the Gemara and Rav Ashi, and Rav Ashi says, no, we misunderstood Rav. Rav didn't mean, when he said that you have two witnesses who say that the husband died, he didn't mean that Lo Tete, that she's, she's allowed to stay married to her second husband. It means she's allowed to stay married to her first husband. That if you have two witnesses who say that the husband died, and you have two witnesses who say the husband's alive, Rav Ashi says, of course Rav meant that you have to get divorced from your second husband, uh, because you have two witnesses say that he's uh, that he's uh, that uh, sorry you have two two witnesses that say that he died uh, and then sorry that when the husband comes back even forget about two witnesses who say that he's alive let's say the husband comes comes back completely that's what Rav was talking about and in such a scenario you certainly have to get divorced from your and separate from your second husband but you're allowed to stay married to your first husband if you had two witnesses originally why. So he explained, My lotete de kamarav, lotete meter harishon. I ham rav chadazimna didna nisichilo pershus materis latzolov, am ravuna marav hachi hachza, chadim lachal dachaverta. Essentially, what Rav was saying was that if you have two witnesses that said that the husband died, she went ahead and married somebody else, and then the husband comes back. Everybody knows who the husband is. The husband comes back. That's the case that we're dealing with. Of course, she has to leave her second husband, but she's allowed to stay married to her first husband because the fact that she went and married her second husband, that was completely out of her control. She's referred to as an anus. It wasn't, it's not viewed as though as adultery, and therefore she's not allowed to go back to her first husband. No, she was relying on two witnesses. Since she's relying on two witnesses, so she's an anus, it was beyond her control, and she's now allowed to return back to her first husband. Which the Gemara points out, that that's exactly what the Mishnah said, and Rav said that we follow the Mishnah. So what's Rav coming to teach us? Uh, he already said that we follow the Mishnah. So he's saying that, no, based on both statements of Rav, we come to the conclusion that we know what exactly he's referring to. And so essentially the whole point of this statement of Rav, according to Ravashi, is, is a bit repetitive. And it's really just explaining the line of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that you're allowed to stay married uh, to your first husband whenever you have two witnesses, not when you have one witness. Because if there's one witness, so then it's her responsibility to really look into it. Uh, but when there are two witnesses, so then we say that uh, she's allowed to stay married to her first husband because it was beyond her control. Okay. Continues the Gemara really on a new topic. And this is now, until now we've been discussing a statement of Rav. Now we have a statement of Shmuel. Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says as follows. Again, our mission is dealing for the most part with a case where you have one witness who says that the husband uh, died. And in general, we don't follow 
one witness. We generally require two witnesses. But the Mishnah is a case of one witness. So that will be important as we go through the Gemara. But Shmuel says, Lo shanu ela lo We only learned our Mishnah that she has to leave her both marriages uh, if the husband comes back. That's only if uh, she does not um, go against the, uh, the 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 witnesses who the, the right the witnesses who said that uh, the husband is alive. She just keeps. Uh, she says she doesn't know. Essentially, she says she doesn't know. However, if she says no, I know that uh, my husband is not alive, and she really rejects the witnesses. I know that my husband's not alive. So then we say she's allowed to stay married to her second husband. If she says I know that my husband is not alive. So I want to know what exactly is the case. Why, why, should we, why should we care what she has to say? If, if we have two witnesses that say that the husband's still alive, so then who cares that she says that the, that the, that the husband's no longer alive? We have two witnesses that say that, um, that the husband is alive. So what she says doesn't make a difference. So Ella... So what are you going to tell me? There's only one witness uh, that says that the husband is alive. What exactly is the case? You're going to tell me there's only one witness? So what's the case exactly? You have one witness say that the husband died. Now you have another witness that says, no, the husband's alive. But it's all one witness. Well, Ula's of the opinion, and we'll see that this is not so simple. Remember, we're, we're, we're believing one witness in this case. One witness is generally not believed. Generally not believed. So Ula says, when we believe the one witness, we believe him to say that the husband died because that was the case that we allowed to say that the husband died so that we believe the one witness so that she could go ahead and get married. When the next witness comes, and it's only one witness who says that the husband's alive, well, that doesn't have any strength in court. Uh, the strength in court exists from the first witness who says that the husband died. But to say that the husband is alive, so that has no power in court. Uh, we only believe two witnesses. There was a reason why I believed the first witness. The first witness was believed uh, for various reasons that we've been explaining. Because we want her to get married, and she's going to check into it. And if the husband was really alive, so then uh, the witness wouldn't be taking a chance to say that he died. Um, it'll come out, and, and he'll be found to be a false witness, so he would never do such a thing. Uh, we have various reasons, but the point is that we do believe the one witness, but we, we don't believe the other witness. So even if she kept quiet, uh, so then we would ne- we would never believe the second witness. We would only believe the, the first witness, because it's a case of just one. And in, in the case of just one, we don't believe the second witness. So rather, what's the case? So the case is as follows, uh, says the Gemara, Hacha <laughs> The case is where uh, even originally the one witness who came and, and the two witnesses, it's really two witnesses who come afterwards, the two witnesses who come afterwards, they're not really kosher witnesses. These are witnesses who are not valid witnesses in general. Uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not allowed to testify uh, in a regular case, whether they're because they're relatives or, or whatever the case is, they're not allowed to testify. And they came as two. They came as a pair, but they testified. And it's like Reb Nechemia. Why? According to Rav Nechemia, Rav Nechemia disagrees with Ula. 
Now that we believe one witness, so the whole story changes. And now it doesn't go based, it's a totally different story. In general, when we have testimony, we require two. Uh, but here, now that we uh, only, we, we're lenient with one, so we're going to say, now that we're lenient with one, uh, so now it really goes based on majority. Majority on one side versus majority on the other side. So if that's the case, if we have one witness saying that the husband died, and now you have two witnesses who say the husband is alive, but those two witnesses are not really regular witnesses. They are, they are, they are disqualified from testifying because let's say they're relatives. But they do count in this case because once we're believing one witness, we'll also believe disqualified witnesses. It's not really doesn't follow the regular rules of witnesses, and as such, it's two versus one. And so we'll believe those two. Now, if she comes along and says that I think that my husband is not alive, uh, so then it becomes either it becomes two versus two, and that's how we'll explain it for now. This is the position of the Rambam. It becomes two versus two, and so therefore she's allowed to stay. Uh, stay married. She doesn't have to get divorced because it's two versus two. Um, that is one interpretation of When did say that if the two if the two witnesses said that the husband and they're disqualified, the husband's alive, when do we go based on them, if, even if they're disqualified? That's only if the original witness who said that the husband is not alive uh, was not a regular witness. He, he was also disqualified for whatever reason. But if he was accepted as a witness, even if it was just one, so then you can't have disqualified witnesses thereafter say uh, play a role. They can't play any role. They're not believed whatsoever. They're only believed if the first witness who said that the husband is no longer alive is also was also disqualified. Uh, so essentially, just to conclude, we have this dispute between Ulan and Milchemya when we now have this leniency, this exception to the rule where we believe one witness. So according to Ula, that one witness, it still follows the regular rules of edus, of testimony. And then anybody who comes thereafter has to be two halakhically valid witnesses in order for them to testify. Rabbi Nechemya says, no, everything changes. The whole thing changes. And therefore, depending on the version, it's different ways to phrase it, but therefore, if you have one witness originally, so then the rest of the witnesses, they could be disqualified witnesses. And we really go based on the majority and the higher number of witnesses. And that's really what it should depend upon. Um, according to the second version, that's true, but it's limited if the first witness was only a disqualified uh, witness. He, wasn't, he couldn't even testify in court, even if there was somebody with him, because he's, dis- he was, he's disqualified. Let's say he's a relative. So then the second witnesses also are, um, are accepted uh, and, and we go based on the majority in that case. Uh, so that is a, an important dispute between Ula and Rav and we'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.